Hey guys, welcome to the Begging Broadcast, episode number 456. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week and or three, four days. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 8th, 2021. Then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going back into our well of recurring segments and we're bringing you our trading policy. Uh, this month it was my pick and we're going to be talking about Wind, book one. The Flight of the Prince from Boom Studios by James Tinian IV with art by Michael Dionysus. I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. We talked about this before when we did Into the Woods. Mm. Or The Woods? What was it called? The Woods. The, the horror woods. book. Yeah, The Woods. Yeah. Uh, we both watched Dionys. the Disney yes. movie Into the woods. called Into the Woods. It was not good. I don't mind it. I no, watched it again semi-recently just because it was on Disney Plus and it was like yep. something to put on. And I was like, there's parts of this that are pretty charming. Uh, I would agree with Paul, it, it wasn't very good. But you know what is good? Drinking. Drinking. Getting a day buzz on at night. <laughs> day buzz <laughs> Which is at 48 p.m. Well, that was more Eastern today. Standard Time. Remember when we used here. to like pound Imperial beers and barrel aged stouts before <laughs> noon on Sundays what, to do the show? You you and just watch to. football and keep on drinking. It was great. It, it was. It's called being a Bills fan. I don't understand what... (laughs) It's not surprising. But, John, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a collab beer from Flying Bison Brewery and the Kilkenny Ireland Brewery Sullivan's. And this is Finian Ale. Uh, This is to support the Buffalo Finians, which is a Gaelic uh, athletic association that helps promote and does Gaelic sporting events. Uh, they've been around since 2006. It's like and... cable tossing? <clears throat> yeah, I guess something like that. I don't know. It doesn't give a big description on that. Um, actually, uh, the caber tossing, isn't that Scottish? This is Irish. Uh, but this is actually really good. Um, so I believe they're using like malts from Ireland and they're using a Sullivan's recipe, um, but they're using, like, American hops, and I don't know. It doesn't really give a description of how they collabed this together. Uh, but I really like it. It's it's kind of like an IPL, but it's a little more roasty, malty, and a um, nice, dry, bitter hop on it that kind of makes you want to keep going back for more. I, I really, really like it. Um, it's kind of like you you hopped uh, an Oktoberfest. Mm. Um, yeah, it's nice. I like it. I think it's like uh, 5.2%. Nice and easy. I'm I'm really enjoying this. I'm, I'm very happy with this uh, purchase. Paul, are you really enjoying your first uh, beer of the evening? This, this is a great tasting beer because it was free, at least to me. Uh, this is Brickyard Brewing Company's New Coast American IPA, a uh, 6% a call by volume. Uh, I do contract work, and uh, what, almost two years ago, Brickyard suffered a fire, and they're still renovating it. And uh, I was there running uh, some 
doing some work there, uh, getting their fire system back up and running, fire protection system. Uh, and there was work that was supposed to be done by the elect- uh, electrician that didn't get done. So, and I'm like, I just want this to be done and over with. And I was tired of waiting for the guy. So I just started doing the work and, uh, he bought me two, four packs as a thank you. Nice. Nice. So, well, it would have been nicer if he just had the job done <laughs> and I would have been in and out. And I could have bought myself the two, four packs like I was originally planning. But yeah, this was one of the four packs that, uh, he bought me. Uh, this is their new coast. It's, uh. It says it's uh, hopped heavily with only Oceana ruined hops, uh, Matuniak, Enigma, and Big Secret. And this has a uh, a very rich, like almost creamy mouthfeel to it. And then, uh, but it's all p- uh, resiny, piney kind of hop flavor. Nice. It's actually really nice. I, I really enjoy it. This is the second one I've had. Not today. I had. Uh, I was just so gross and sweaty uh, after I got home yesterday from doing that work. That uh, I, of course I took a shower and then had one of these, so it was a good way, good way to end the day. So uh, you didn't have a shower beer. I didn't. I had yeah. a shower after beer. And after beer shower, after beer. shower, yeah, beer after shower, <laughs> beer, beer. Shower are you, are you writing beer? this one down, Chris? You, you can, you can <laughs> yeah, take <okay>. this one. <laughs> uh, uh, because no one else is on the video call but us. But well, well, Paul was stammering through that. Chris and I both like leaned forward, like, "Well, we gotta write this one down." <laughs> and it's like one of those things where I said it, and I'm not exactly sure what I said, but I knew I said it wrong because they both leaned forward to write it. <laughs> so it's like, all right, uh, yeah, that's you know, what so- I'm drinking. Sometimes it takes us until the end of the show to figure out what the title's gonna be. Sometimes, you know, you get it five minutes in. Um, <laughs> Guys, we're coming up to autumn, a.k.a. fall, a.k.a. spooky season, which is one of my favorite times of the year. Um, my birthday's in October, so I always just have fond memories of you know, doing fall activities, Halloween, trick-or-treating, my birthday. Uh, and part of that is just appreciating and enjoying that fall autumnal, some would say pumpkin spice flavor. Uh, we're heading out of August into September now, which means pretty much all of the big breweries are putting out all of their seasonal pumpkin offerings now. Um, it's something that I love. It's something that I always look forward to. I have already crushed a 12-pack of the Elysian, uh, the pumpkin pack, their pumpkin sampler. Uh, and I thought, hey, you know what? Why don't I just keep it rolling? And I picked up something that I saw at my beer store a couple weeks ago. And as soon as I saw it, I had to send a picture of it to the guys. Because it was something I wasn't aware of. And I was a little bit hesitant to get into. So my first question was, John, have you seen the Shipyard Brewing Pumpkinhead Hard Seltzer? Uh, No. After you sent that to me, though, I tried to bring it into my beer store twice. And it wasn't authorized. And I couldn't get it. And then I tried to find it. Um, I think I looked at two tops, and they didn't have it yet. Um, so I think, too, the salesman probably doesn't even know it exists, because I made my salesman dig through his uh, tablet to find it so we could bring it in. Um, so I'm hoping that it pops up, because I think it'd just be fun to try. Fun to try. I mean, it it is what it is. It's a pumpkin 
beer inspired hard seltzer like it has those notes that you're looking for except it is that kind of lightness to it um five percent abv the six pack of this was i think 11.99 at my beer store not bad um i don't love it though especially because i again just crushed the 12 pack from Elysian, and all of those beers are knockouts. Like, they're all great pumpkin offerings, and they're all a little bit different from each other. It's been a while since I've had a shipyard pumpkin head, but this hard seltzer is just kind of hitting those base autumnal cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice notes, which is fine. Like, it's doing what it needs to do. But the mouthfeel that you would expect from a pumpkin beer is not there. And when I took my initial sip, I was like, well, it kind of has that yammy mealiness on like the sides of the tongue. Like there's a little bit there, but it still remains a little bit crisp. Uh, fine to try. You don't need anything more than one of these, I'd say, just for the novelty of it. Um, Paul, this isn't going to be something that you're taking out disc golfing. Like this is something I think... You, you pick it up, you have it with Kate, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's weird. That's kind of fun. All right, let's drink something better now. Yeah, but if I'm going to drink something fun that's pumpkin-y, I'd rather pick up the 12-pack from Elysian, the pack oh, yeah, of pumpkins. Again, those are all knockout. All this, solid, yeah. You know, I mean, I, if it matters, only 110 calories, I guess that's good. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't, guess. I don't, follow, I don't follow that kind of stuff. Right. I guess that seems okay. I know Yeah. that... All day IPA, as John told us last time, 140. I mean, at that I think 125, point, isn't it? I don't know, man. You told me like three different numbers the last time I talked about it. That's bullshit. Every time I threw out a number, you corrected me. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, this isn't bad, though. I'm. I'll get to those other ones that I have in my fridge at some point because I I have them. You know. Mm-hmm. I I applaud Shipbear for trying something different because we've talked about seltzers on the show before you know a lot of breweries do them it's something that people seem to enjoy and i know some authors probably gonna love this but as a fan of the season and that flavor there's just not enough here to make me be like wow this is gonna step in for a pumpkin beer like this is not gonna be a pumpkin beer replacement for me this year would you do a highball like a uh, whiskey highball with it um, or bourbon highball. I think I'm it. out of whiskey. That might not be bad. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to think because I think I still have. I mean, maybe with like, maybe like I have some spiced rum. That might not be bad. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's throw still a, a highball. Throw a shot in there. Yeah, yeah I, throw I, a shot in there. You know, with some ice, pour it over just to fill up your glass. Might be, might be okay. Yeah, little, little seasonal cocktail. I don't know. Uh, d- depending on uh, what I finish off the night with, maybe I'll just have one more of those. I gotta work early in the morning, though, so we'll see. see. And speaking about things that come early in the morning, uh, early edition time, it's time for that Week in Geek. Yeah. You guys remember early, early edition? Yes, I actually like that show. about the guy that got the newspaper about the stuff that was happening. It was that delivered day. By, yeah. And he would have delivered to, like, by a black cat. Yeah. And, uh, I really like that it, show. It was on, and then... Uh, the Pretender was also on, like, right near it, too. Or was it actually on at the same time, or was it just, like, during that same era? 
I think it was. It might have been the same era. Who knows? I don't know because I was gonna say like wasn't touched by an angel on after, but who knows now? Yeah, yeah. None of these shows matter or are relevant to anybody besides me and Paul and my dead grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) How about Do South? You guys remember Do South? Oh, I love Do South. South. You know what? Used to watch it with my grandma. (laughs) Such a good show. Such a good show. I love the episode where they're on a boat. I'm not gonna remember any. They're like in Lake Michigan, and they're on the boat. And he famously could never hand, have a sidearm because he wasn't, you know, deputized by the uh, police department in in Chicago. Uh, but they're on the boat, and somebody tosses him a gun, and he catches it and points it at the guy. And everybody's like, "What?" And he's like, "We just crossed back into from international waters into Canada. I can use a gun again." And it was just such a badass moment. It was so cool. I, it's in the later seasons. It was such a great episode. The actor who played uh, the Mountie, I saw uh, star in Macbeth, and oh. he was great in it. He played it really kind of, really kind of crazy. It was great. Played, it, played a Canadian, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was guys, in Stratford. It, it was in Stratford, Canada, where I saw it too. Man, this is like this is like a fandom kind of thing that we just did there much like how dc is going to have a fandom event coming in october you mean fandom no no i i, I enjoyed I, it we did a whole episode on it last year yeah i, I actually joking. liked the fandom event i think it worked really well for what it was um this year october 16th 2021 uh starting at 10 a.m they will be doing the fandom again pacific time 1 a.m uh 1 p.m eastern so it's not going to be the worldwide simulcast like it was is it i know you have to like you can still register for their online viewing thing um but it's going to be available on all like their streaming like video on demand platforms it's going to be available for everybody because they want to get this stuff out there um they did tease what we'll be seeing a little bit uh, new stuff from the matt reeves batman more looks at uh Shazam, Black Adam, uh, Peacemaker TV show, more stuff from the video games like the Suicide Squad game that'll be coming out, uh, Gotham Knights, some stuff from the comic books as well. They have a separate, like, all-ages kid-focused fandom this year uh, that'll be talking about some of their cartoon offerings like Teen Titans, uh, I don't remember what, like... It seems reductive to call it that, but like the Supergirls cartoon that they have too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I, I still remember the name of it. I don't remember it either. Uh, that's gonna have a presence. But yeah, I. It just so happened that I had Fandom Day off last year when it came out. I was right at the tail end of everything being closed in Florida, so I I had my day free. I I actually enjoyed sitting down at my computer. Like watching all the stuff came uh, as it was being released, uh, I miss going to comic book conventions, and <laughs> it was probably the closest thing that I've had to it since getting to go to stuff like Fan Expo with you guys. Yeah, I remember kicking it on uh, while I was clean, doing stuff around the house, like vacuuming, uh, cleaning up. Yep, uh, and it was just fun to have it in the background and kind of looking up. And uh, I thought their interstitials were kind of fun. And between the panels, like there was a whole. Batman Beyond, looking back at Batman, you know, from 69, you know, Batman 68, 
you know, the Adam West Batman and just being like confused by the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I think October 16th, it's a Saturday at 1 p.m. I'll probably be done with doing my household like kind of stuff by cleanup by then. Uh, but maybe I'll try to get on the treadmill about 1 o'clock that day, you know, turn it on for 45 minutes to an hour, you know, on my cell phone or something. You know, it's, yeah, it's just background noise, but it's fun background noise. Something to put on the calendar. I mean, there's going to be, hopefully there's some interesting things coming out of it. Um, You know, what they're supposed to talk about, Aquaman 2 and Black Adam and the Batman. (laughs) So, uh, if anything, if we get some some more trailers or some trailers or actual shot of, you know, the rock in a Black Adam suit, like... Yeah, not just be, an animation. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll it'll be nice to see those things. Like the storyboard kind of concept art stuff that they had last okay. year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to be... see the farewell. I'm excited to see the farewell to Supergirl after yeah. six seasons. I, uh, I haven't watched any of the DC like TV stuff in years, so I didn't even realize it was ending. Um, for me, it's kind of more about the big budget actual movie stuff now like Shazam Fury of the Gods I'm looking forward to that they just announced that they're starting to wrap up like the filming on that so we'll definitely be seeing I don't know if we'll get a teaser from it but we'll probably get at least something like a little behind the scenes footage of everyone being like oh yeah we get to do this again we love it Uh, I'm Zachary Levi you might remember me from Chuck also Thor. Wait, I can't say that. You might remember me from Shazam. Um, I don't know. I'm excited though. Yeah. Uh, and then on some on some sad news, uh, someone who's probably been a part of everybody's childhood for the last thirty years uh, passed away uh, at eyes uh, at at Asner. Um, but he's done so many voices for cartoons as well as being an actor um <clears throat> he's played santa claus uh mary, Ty- mary mary tyler moore show um but he voiced granny goodness in the justice league show oh, yeah. he was That's great, uh, uh yeah you, you said santa claus in one of my favorite holiday go-to movies when we did our 12 days of begging board uh elf yeah. santa claus in that oh um, i got a new thing to add to the Twelve days. Ooh. It's a it's a holiday special, television holidays. Special. Keep, keep it to yourself. So good. <laughs> it's coming up quick. Uh, but then he also, a lot of people may know him as Carl Fredrickson from Disney Pixar's Up, which just released its um, Doug Days like mini episodes on Disney Plus, uh, where he came back to do that. Uh, oh, that geez. just is like coming out like right now. Like I think it just launched yesterday. So kind of sad. Um, Especially because he has had like such a prolific career, like he's literally touched any franchise that you can think of. Well, he's been working for what seven decades? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he uh, he was ninety one, ninety two, right? Yeah, ninety two, I believe. Yeah. So, so he was if he started at twenty two, he would have touched eight decades, right? Because he would count that first one as so twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Oh, jeez, I'm not even counting right. But anyways, dudes have been working a long time. And, you know, just, it's nice that 
I hope he enjoyed it because otherwise, why would he keep on coming back? I would think he'd have that money coming in from um, uh, royalties. Hopefully, I I see him, and I know this isn't an appropriate like example or like. Uh, Sorry. I just don't know. I just don't know. I see him like Don Rickles as someone that just did what they loved doing up until the end. Like, literally until like they just couldn't anymore. Because, you know, very different styles. But yeah. Don, Don Rickles just loved heckling people and, you know, pushing you, giving you a hard time, like, right up until the end. And I think Ed Esner was the same way and just a little bit more warmth to him because he was kind of more associated just with like that kind of family comedy. Yeah. yeah. He, um, yeah, I mean, he's work. I mean, working till, till he, he passed away, like, um, doing voices acting. And I know like people said that, you know, he'd show up when he'd show up. Um, he was, Super sweet, even though, you know, he's this legendary TV actor and actor, he would give people anything they needed on set. He was nice. He'd help rehearse with people. He would be open to different things. But he, um, to answer, like, your question, Paul, I'm scrolling through his IMD catalog here to get to the end. Uh, and, uh... It, it's all it's all these TV shows that run from like 1947 to 1958. Uh, it looks like somewhere in the 19 <laughs> somewhere in the 1950s he started acting. Uh, but yeah. So during the 20th century, like a whole century ago, this guy started acting. Yeah, pretty amazing. Now, what else is amazing? Avatar The Last Airbender, the RPG that's on Kickstarter right now. It's going to be on Kickstarter for one more day. Guess what? By the time you listen to it, it's done. It's reached over 800, or not 800, 8 million. It's reached over $8 million worth of backing. And it's unlocked a actual, you're, we're going to watch a playthrough. They hired uh, Satine Phoenix, Becca Scott. They're kind of internet famous kind of people. But uh, Jenny Kwan, who played Suki hmm. on Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, the cartoon. Because there is has been no live action yet uh, of, of that thing. They're going to actually do a how-to-play and a one-shot uh, online. So well, that's uh, kind of fun. Did you back this? Yes, yeah, of course you, I did. I, I asked it knowing you already did. We <laughs> well, I just got a... You know too. why? You know how it hit the news? I just got an email telling me that they hit this. So, you know, if they hit 9.2 million, they'll be in the top 10 uh, most highest grossing or most funded uh, Kickstarters of all time. Right now, that? they're in like spot like 16. It's been a long so time since I've been 20. on Kickstarter. I mean, their goal was only 50,000. So de- oh, it's like literally updating as I'm looking at it. Uh, stretch you know goals, why? Because uh, I just in- talked about it. I'm a great promoter. Right? Uh, stretch goals, they're going to have, uh, an, what is it, uh, dice packs, digital rewards, so it looks like they'll have an app. So yeah, I mean, 
this yeah, those looks, have all been unlocked, man. <laughs> this looks cool. I don't know. Um, so. No, it's something that I would definitely... Ooh, oh wow. Okay, so it can be a waterbender, earthbender, airbender, firebender, a swordsman uh, from the southern water tribe who wants to travel the world, or a technologist from Republic City who swore to never again allow a tyrant to take power. Cool. Oh, there's different eras of play. Yeah, again, this yeah. is all stuff that you sent us in, like... Yeah, I uh, told you about this, like, you did, ago. But now we're talking about it on the show. So yeah. uh, covers Kiyoshi's era, Roku's era, Hundred Year War era, Aang's era, and then Korra's era. Fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. something I would be up for uh, having a fun night with. Yeah, a one-shot. One-shot would be fun. And I got some... I don't know if you guys can... Yeah, I got some, you know, RPG stuff on my back wall there i got so. i see all the that red like, dungeons and dragons the red dungeons and dragons but paul uh, spare a box yeah paul i don't want to talk about what's behind you on your bookshelf oh. i want to talk to you about what's sitting on your desk what are you drinking next oh what am i drinking next i thought we were talking about the comic books coming out but no i'm drinking right now uh talking about disc golf chris these were two beers this beer and the next beer or two beers that were brought to uh, me uh, during disc golf uh, for with people from work. I brought out Two Hearted, which we had on the show just recently, two, yeah. what, two three weeks ago. Just an easy drinking, great. It's, it's a solid beer. It's good. Like I didn't mind bringing that out uh, to disc golf. It's one of the people that I play with's favorite beer. I'm like, okay, he said he had a rough day. Boom, I'm picking it up for the podcast anyways. I'll bring... I'll bring out a couple extra for him. And then he gave me one of the beers that he brought, which was the Southern Tier New Haze. And you know what? It's a This is a great disc golfing beer. This is a great walking, hiking in the park, you know, kayaking kind of beer. It's it's lighter. It's got a nice tangerine-y kind of pop, hoppy pop to it. Very smooth, very easy drinking. Um, I'd probably say the same thing about all the new and new you know, variants of Southern Tier. They seem to rename it every year. Um, yeah, <clears throat> cool. It's only a 12-ounce uh, can, and I don't see the ABV on it. That's 6%. It's decent. Is it as good as Two Hearted? It's what you're into at this point. Like, after drinking this uh, New Coast, which was very resiny, very piney, then taking a sip of this is like, Ooh, wow, it's a fruit bomb. But now that I'm into it a little bit more, it's like, no, it's it's just your mellow, kind of average road, a middle-of-the-road uh, kind of juiciness. IPA. Mm-hmm. Not bad. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Um, John, you're reaching for a beer. Uh, yeah. Is, I'm... is it a beer you've been drinking? <clears throat> it is uh, from Community Beer Works, and this is their Oktoberfest. Um, this is the first time they've canned an Oktoberfest beer. They're actually having a big Oktoberfest party at their brewery. Um, this is 5.4%. This is a good Oktoberfest. It's got a nice little um, crisp crispness to it on the back palate. It has a little bit of that dry your mouth out, so you kind of want to take another sip. I imagine this would go really well with pretzels. Like it just, it just feels like that kind of makes you kind of have a little bit of saliva, extra saliva in your mouth and you're chewing pretzels. You need, you need that to help, to help get those pretzels down. Um, 
I wouldn't say it is my favorite Oktoberfest. It probably might break like my top 10 favorite Oktoberfest beers, but um, I'd have to really think about that and really crack on and, and go back and hit some and see if they still like them or if they're as good as I remember. But it's not bad. I'm not unhappy that I have this. But it's definitely not the beer that I'd want to be like. It, it's not Flying Bison's Finian Ale, Finian Ale, which I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go get it more of this. Like I would happily drink that beer from Flying Bison like any time. This, I'm probably have it here. I was thinking about going down to the Oktoberfest because. Caitlin and I aren't going to have an Oktoberfest party again this year, so it'd be fun to go to an Oktoberfest party. Um, I would have it there, but I probably wouldn't buy it again. But if somebody, like, I was at somebody's house and like, oh, here, have an Oktoberfest, and they gave it to me, I'd be fine to drink it. Chris? So, my next beer is coming from Georgia, and this is coming from Terrapin Brewing. And this is their Frenchies Blues. And this is a Blueberry Berliner, uh, Berliner Weiss. Um, uh, brewed in collaboration with former Atlanta Braves outfielder Jeff Francoeur. Uh, they call it a tart, refreshing German-style wheat beer uh, using fresh blueberries from Jeff's Farm. Uh, Major League Blueberries in Nichols, Georgia. Uh, when I went to the beer store today... I was charged by Yanni to bring her back a sour. So I was like, okay, well, let me look for something different. Uh, and I thought like, oh, okay, like blueberry sour. Like that sounds interesting. This is a big, very tart upfront blueberry taste. Uh, it's almost reminiscent of like, I don't know if blueberry wine's a thing, but it has that kind of deep tanniny, like tart wine flavor to it. I expected a lot more of like a sweet, almost like syrupy kind of candy blueberry. Um, this is very different. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, I'm maybe about halfway through it because it has like that, like dry wine mouthfeel to it. It's very interesting. Uh, not what I expected at all. Um, not bad. Don't want to sound negative off of it. It's just very different. I don't know. I've never had, like, a tart blueberry sour before. I mean, blueberry wheat ales, definitely, like, that's everywhere. But this is different. Yeah, blueberry wheat beer, that's your hometown beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, sometimes blueberry works fantastic in a beer or in a sour and sometimes it's just like that like florally blueberry taste that's like oh it's just just not the blueberry i want it's not sweet it's not tart it's just like a florally blueberry i will say i do like when it's like that kind of like earthy blueberry sweetness that you get out of um not necessarily like the ellicottville blueberry but it has a, like a hint of that like i like that just like you just you hand picked it and like 
popped it in your mouth before you actually pay for your little bushel. Like, I like that kind of blueberry <laughs> taste. Um, mm-hmm. So you're saying you're a blueberry thief. Uh, isn't everybody? I guess so. Yeah. I know people are grape thieves. Man, everybody's popping those grapes. You got to make sure they're good. Popping those grapes. Popping them grapes. Much like we're popping comic books coming out. What day of the week? The Tuesdays, eight? Wednesdays? Yeah, September. Oh, my goodness, guys. Do you remember? the What day of in September? The 8th. The 8th of September? No, there's a song, though. Isn't it the 9th of September or something like that? Well, the Earth, Wind, and Fire one. I don't remember yeah, yeah. what it is. Not not my music. Oh. But I know what you're speaking of. But there's comic books coming out the 8th of September. And Chris, because I've thrown it to John twice for the beer. Chris, oh, what I'm are you looking up for? this song. Uh, it's the 21st night of September. Thank oh, you. 21st had, night. Wow. I had, just, I had just enough time to look it up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yes, uh, I have a book I am looking forward to. As I'm taking another sip of the season. It's, it's really interesting. Um, coming out from DC Comics is their Green Lantern 2021 annual. Uh, and this is going to be shedding some more light on where the actual Green Lantern comic book has gone within the past month. Where we learned that actually Earthbound Green Lantern Jessica Cruz is actually now a member of the Yellow Lantern, like the Sinestro Corps. Um, this is going to be telling how that changeover happened how someone went from feeling absolute fear being a recluse stuck in her own apartment with anxiety issues uh becoming a green lantern became someone that is now inflicting fear uh written by ryan katie art by uh sammy bassery i don't know i love me some jessica cruz i really do enjoy the new green lantern arc that's been going on um i'm looking forward to this one coming out well I'm throwing it to you now, because John's oh, about to take a what? sip of his beer, so you got to talk. Yeah, talking about fear, talking about spooky season, it being September, I'm going back to some wish lists, and I'm, uh, I've am i been ra- waiting for the trade to come out for Astro- Afterlife with Archie for how many years now? <laughs> so many years. So I, you know, they're all just $1.99 on uh, Comixology. I'm just going to pick up uh, Afterlife with Archie's issues 6 through 10. And uh, guys, it might be my next. If, I, if it's October and it's my uh, trade and policy, that it will become our trade and policy. Uh, these these last five issues of After Your Life with Archie. So get ready for that. So I guess that would be volume two then, unofficial. Well, it's unofficial because on Comicsology, at least we still haven't gotten a trade bundle of them. But uh, issues six, seven, eight. 9 and 10 are all available on Comixology, so that's what I'm going to pick up this week, which means it's what I picked up last week. Hey, John, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to a new number one from Dark Horse Comics, and this is the last flight out number one. Um, with Earth rendered uninhabitable, Humanity has chosen to evacuate to the stars. However, with just 24 hours left until the last arc leaves forevers, it's forever. Its designer estranged its designer's estranged daughter goes missing. Can he find her before time runs out? 
and repair the relationship before it's too late? Family, fatherhood, the hunt for forgiveness shape this thrilling epic tale. Uh, the thing that sold me on this book uh, was the writer, which is Mark Guggenheim. I, I've always enjoyed his work. I couldn't tell you the last time I read a Mark Guggenheim book. So I have no problem paying the couple bucks to check this out to have a book from Mark Guggenheim. And it is... The book itself just sounds very cliche. It's any of those things. It's yeah, it's any, like disaster any kind of disaster movie. Like disaster I can movie. see John yeah. Cusack starring in this. Yeah, like. yeah, it's like it's the 2012. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, I thought the same thing when I when I read this, but then I I went down to see who the writer was. I said, Oh, Mark Guggenheim. Yeah, okay. I this could be really, really, really good. So, do you think he um? This is all just supposition. Do you think this is something that he's kind of creating in mind to farm it out with his connections as someone that's kind of like the cornerstone of the DC television universe? Like to be like, oh, like from the mind that brought you Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. Like, do you think it's like he's Mark Millaring it? Uh, he could be. Or the fact that this is getting printed at Dark Horse is he had an idea and somebody was like, yeah, we'll print that for you. Okay. You're Mark Guggenheim. So it is what it is. What it, is. Uh, it, it sounds interesting. I don't mind checking that out though. Um, you, you putting this on your list for Pepper look back? Yeah, I would. I'd definitely read that. Yeah. I mean, it's still the beginning of the month, so who knows what else we'll be picking and putting on there, but Again, if it's not that great, if it's not that great, but something worth talking about, I'd leave it on. But if it's just like, ooh, I can't even read this, probably won't make it. Interesting. But, John, you know what you have to read now? Well, I was going to say, you know what did make our list, and that is a dramatic reading from the book Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number two. Page 26, panel 2. Bob, this is for you? Oh, this is for me. <laughs> I swore I just read one. You you did, but that was the fan-picked one. This that was the, a fan-pick. So. This is the official, oh. official John pick. It says right above this pit, this thing, too, is, John, uh, you picked for Paul. I'm sorry. I didn't read the thing above it because I just saw the picture and everything, and I'm like, well, it's not for me. I just did one. I'm so happy you're alive, Mikey. I, uh, uh, yeah. Thanks, April. You too. And that was a dramatic reading from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Last Ronin, number two, page 26, a panel two. Uh, if you want to see that panel, head over to our Instagram page where you can check it out. All of our dramatic reading panels go up over there. Sometimes while we're recording, sometimes, you know, a week later because I forget to do things, but it's okay. Yeah, so it's okay. We'll get it done. Yeah, we get there and, eventually. Uh, and we'll read some books. And we'll read a trade in uh, trade. Uh, Chris, 
you picked this uh, trade. Yeah, this is a pick that I made. Um, this is a Chris pick. And we're talking about Win, book one, The Flight of the Prince. Uh, set it up at the front of the show. This is coming from Boom Studios. But this is part of their Boombox line, which is their kind of all-ages, more young reader-friendly series. This is um, written by James Tinian IV, art by Michael Dialnis. Uh We've read books from them before. You said up at the front of the show it was The Woods? In, yes. In, I keep wanting yep. to say Into the Woods, but that's because that's the song. The damn song. It's stuck in my brain and I can't get it out. But yeah, uh, all ages kind of fantasy fiction. Um, very different from The Woods, which was kind of a little bit more young adult horror. Uh, this one definitely is a little bit more on the mature side of things. I don't know what like the age cutoff for this would be because the bandaged man does do some damage to uh, the weird bloods as he's tearing through town. Uh, but what we have here is is your typical kind of like RPG city pipe town uh, where a young boy is working in a pub, but he has a dark secret. He's actually someone that's known as a weird blood, which means he has magical blood in his veins, so he's shunned by society. Uh, he's not meant to actually live in the city limits. Everyone that has weird blood has either been hunted down or pushed to the outskirts of the town living in the woods. Um, but he he just loves being a part of the city. He loves the hubbub, the, the get-up-and-go atmosphere. Uh, so he has a young friend, uh, Oakley, who works for the Engineering Corps, and he works in her parents' pub as a cook slash kind of pseudo-server. Uh, and then everything changes when there's a change in the ruling family that leads him and some other people to go on the run as they're being hunted by the bandaged man who can smell magical blood, uh, which is going to send us on our adventure of self-discovery and coming to grips and terms with who you are. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of wish there wasn't a banner on top of this book, like winner of the LBT Q, uh, Q. Uh, the, the glad award winning creators of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, at, at that point I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, definitely an analogy for uh being gay and you know and hiding who you are but then also the character himself yeah. uh, wind is is gay is homosexual and then you're, i'm like oh okay so and then so is an allegory then so is just... the gardener and the prince yeah yeah which i i actually kind of like that because there's no subtext to this it kind of takes yeah. that away like because on its level, like everyone's like, oh well, you know, X Men being a mutant, it, it basically means like, oh yes, this, the the trials, like the struggles of the underrepresented and the looked down upon, uh, and this, yeah, but you this, also get dope ass superpowers, yeah, so this, you know, it's like this leans into it. It's like, oh it yes, like is it an allegory if you're still just saying like. Oh, and by the way, yes, there's also, like, the homosexualness to it, which I applaud it for going that route in something that, again, is 
boombox. It's part of their all ages like young readers line. So shout out for that because I didn't expect that when coming into it. I literally just picked this up because looking for a book to read. I heard that this was good. Um, James Tinian actually won the Eisner for Best Writer off the back of this. And then other stuff uh, like The Woods and was A Nice House on the Lake. He did that too. He's yeah. written Batman this past year. Uh, but this alongside his other non-superhero work that he's been doing lately has made him be like, yeah, I'm going to retire from doing superhero books. I like writing and creating my own little kind of pocket universes and that's what I want to do and I I totally get it um, yeah he's over at Substack now is that what what that imprint is called or I'm not sure I don't want to speak to okay to that I'm not sure so John's, John's, John's doing some googling um, yeah. but I picked this up actually in physical copy because Yanni and I had a kind of like shop local day a couple weeks ago where we went to a local brewery and then we went to their kind of like small town like local shops like we ate at like local food vendors uh we went to a local bookshop which is where i picked this up uh you know just to support small local businesses and i picked up this and then a neil gaiman uh book that i've been wanting to buy for a while and i'm supposed i'm really happy i made this purchase because reading this kind of took me back to the first time that I sat down and read the Bone All-in-One collection because it is all ages appropriate. You know, I'd say maybe like ages nine and up. Yeah, there, like there is nine, some like, I, violence that kind of comes as a surprise yeah. in it. But yeah, but if your kid can read at that level, then they're probably old enough to read that book. You know, I'm yeah. not... It's not... Uh, what you, what's the golden sir? What is it? You know the golden compass. That, no, it's a book series that are picture books that are like on cardboard. Oh, the little golden books. Little golden books. It's not little golden books. No, it's, it's you know. So, but if they're ready to read a graphic novel, then they're probably ready for this. You yeah. know what I mean? It's because you got the first books, those little boom books, you know. Okay, cool. And there might be something in between that and this book, probably, right? I don't know. I don't have kids. <laughs> never wanted them. Not going to invest my time in researching kids' books. I didn't you have little cousins, though. Yeah. yeah and you get I'm, nephews. Yeah, I have nephews and everything, and I am horrible with them because I ask them, hey, what problem do you think you want to solve in the world when you grow up? And their parents look at me like, that's not a question you ask kids. And I'm like, then what question do you ask a kid? I don't know. I don't know. You always do the chim chomper to my kid, so. Yeah. I, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you that? Yeah, he's like. Why that... wouldn't he just tell me? <laughs> uh, when you left, he was like, mm, pardon me, father. Uh, that man is quite unusual. I was like, yeah, that's your Uncle Paul. He's like that. He's like. Mm, but yes, the chin chomper business. Mm, no, thank you, sir. So most, I thought all kids liked it. I, I I say this because my like I told the guys before this. My son told me I have a big nose. It's the size of a school bus. The kids not putting <laughs> sentences together like that. Uh, 
But I, I have to say, like, as you, you know, Paul, you're saying those little golden books, they've evolved because I have a Ghostbuster one that's a pretty accurate Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, I also have the Dark Crystal that I was like, maybe I shouldn't be reading so, this to my kid right now. This- or maybe we're just not giving kids the opportunity to answer the questions like, hey, what problems do you see in the world and how do you want to solve them when you grow up? I'm just saying maybe they're ready for it. Maybe I, it's fine. I, uh, after do, reading Ghostbusters, my son did take the blaster from his mother's Princess Leia costume and then run around holding the barrel of the gun, slamming it on the ground, saying, I'm a killing ghost. So I, I think he he got the right message out of that. I think he got the we message. Don't, Bagged and Boardcast does not approve of ghosts. We don't want them around. Get out of here, ghosts. Get out of ghosts. You're not but, wanted. And that, I don't like Casper. Thing, like, Paul loves Casper. That's only, uh, no, he likes Casper because Christina Ricci's in it. in Casper. And Still have never seen that movie. He's had a crush on her since he was a lad. Oh, it's a good movie. Um, uh, no, it is not a good it, movie. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh... The, Wait, the is it ghosts into the woods trying fun? to yeah, kill what, the father? They, when they kill the dad? <laughs> yeah. I like how you just said, like, they kill the dad? Like, come on, that was great. Yeah, because they, they like hanging out with him. <laughs> and he's already like, oh, woe is me. Life sucks. Like, guess I'll die. Like, I mean, it was it is Bill Pullman. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to hang out with him? Yeah. Wow, I, that I, sounds like me. I, I sound like that character. I really, I really dig it. But... To kind of sort of go back into when I did have a moment after coming to like the close of this book where I was thinking, like, well, I, I don't know. I we were talking about this trade. Like, <laughs> it happens. It happens. I had a moment afterwards where I was like, well, I don't know what age I would give it to a kid at. But then I, I started thinking, and John, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the Dark Crystal. I don't remember how old I was when I watched stuff like Dark Crystal labyrinth ghostbusters is one of the first movies i remember seeing and watching it now i'm like i can't believe i was like three or four when i watched that movie like so maybe i need to give kids a little bit more credit because you can you might not be able to process everything but you can still like it and pick up on stuff out of it and this might be the kind of story that they need need to have put in front of them i yeah i I'm old enough. I'm old now, and I still don't understand why uh, uh, his eyes go cross-eyed. You know, when he's having that dream about that ghost, like it's, you know, things just sometimes go over people's heads as a kid, and you know, they still go over your head as an adult, and that's fine. That's fine. Uh, with wind, it is a great adventure. It's it, this. Unfortunately, we get it's the. Oh, very opening scenes. This is like the first 20 minutes or 15 minutes of Fellowship of the Ring when, you know, Gandalf is basically telling Frodo, no, you got to take this ring and get it out of here. And you get a very emotional scene between uh, Oakley and Miss Molly, you know, and that I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is this is Frodo and Gandalf right here. This is like you got to take get the one ring and. And Frodo's like, I don't know where to go. I don't, you know, maybe we should hide it. And and Miss Molly is like replying, like, No, I trust you. You're a smart girl. You'll figure it out. And it's like, you got to go. You got to start this journey. And that's that's what we get here. It's the very start of that journey. It's them facing the ring race, you know, on the road 
for the first time and getting to Huckleberry Ferry. And that's where this book ends. And I, I guess let's I let's get on the Huckleberry Ferry. Let's see where else they go. They're on this boat. Let's keep going. I want to say I do. I do. I did enjoy this book. I looked at all the issues that have come out afterwards, and I am planning on reading more of this book. I, I, for a split second, because I read this entire thing yesterday evening. Like I went up late in bed, you know, read it, had no problem. Like it's a breeze to read. It's, it's really pretty, good, pretty quick read, and I think that. But it, it also it also feels very dense. And it does feel like it takes a while because it doesn't really have those, like a normal comic book, the cliffhanger endings. It just was like, oh, he turned the page and it said like, you know, now the escape, you know, chapter two, the escape or whatever. And it was like, yeah, okay, okay, I'm a, I guess this is the next issue. But this it is a little cliche Okay, It has like bandage man prime example as soon as i saw the bandage man and that he hunts down uh he hunts people down and he hates he hates the weird bloods and everything i went oh he's probably like some type of monster oh there's Uh vampires in here oh he smells their blood oh he's a vampire. like i like you know i just you just pick up on those things like right away um and there's just little things throughout that that i was just like okay i can totally it's telegraphed what's going to happen in here Aside from that, I do not mind it at all. It has heart. It has... It's a fun... It's a fun story, and these characters, the more you read them, the more they get really flushed out. And how Wind keeps continuing to just evolve is kind of just... When he starts, he's having dreams where he's turning into a monster, and he's worried about his weird blood. But he's also this kind of fun-loving, I'm living in a fantasy world, and then he has to grow up. And then when they escape and they have to leave Miss Molly behind, he starts really understanding what's going on and where he's going to be. And then when he stands up to the prince, when he then says, like, you guys stay here, I'm going to lead them away, I'm going to do this. He just continues to grow, and then when he's like, well, I got to... I gotta evolve even more. I gotta, I gotta take another step to, to save these people, and then pushes himself to save them. The character just keeps getting of wind, just keeps getting better, and he's a character that you really want to, um, you really want to follow. You want to see where this is going to go for him. You want to root for him. You want to, yeah, ex- yeah, absolutely, and. The other thing is like those those cliche moments. Did I, maybe I read something into it? But it's like when they save the prince and they get on the ship, and he's like, "Oh, we're you know we're here to serve you and do this." And then he's like, "The prince is like, well, let's head north." I'm like, "Is that menacing? Is he really doing something? Is he not? Is he doing something bad? Is he not a good? Is he not doing this the right thing?" Because everything else with like the bandage man and some other things just seemed so telegraphed of what was going to happen <laughs> that I'm like, Oh, is it telegraphing that he's bad? He's not good. He's not doing this for what you think are his moral reasons. 
But they they were heading north. Yeah, they're supposed to be he's heading just north. No, the I know, but just I, the way he's like, no, I think north. Much and he's got like he's got shifty eyes. He's got shifty eyes. He's got shifty there. eyes. But and I'm glad we're getting into this because this is where I wanted to go next because the book is literally called the Flight of the Prince and the whole crux of this is Molly trying to uh, get the prince out of town because he's not as rigid as his father is. He kind of wants to open up everything more to like the weird bloods. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is to kind of have him move aside and have the Duke step into the role. And I because th- he can't do it because he's taking like his da- every single day, his dad calls him to his deathbed to make him swear that he will uphold the blood laws and like keep things yeah. the traditional way. So since he's taking that pledge every single day, you know, he can't undo his father's dying wish. But if he can get to the Duke, his dad's father, his uncle, he can let his father do it without breaking this like oath that he's taking. You know, right? Yeah. Am I reading? No. That right? Yeah, you're, okay. you're correct. Um, and I think this is also where this book really does shine because even these side characters are kind of all on their own missions of self-discovery too. Because there's moments in this where you have Thorn, the gardener's son, who's on the run because he's the only person that the prince trusts, um, and also his father, the, like the royal gardener, has been killed for raising like weird blood plants that have been barred from the kingdom. Um, this is also the gardener son that wins interested in because he sees him running on his uh, lunch breaks. Man. There's I wonder who sees me running during my <laughs> through the neighborhood. Uh, Paul, no offense. You're no I'm... hunk like Thorn. I am no hunk like Thorn. When Thorn, when Thorn shows up, I'm like, Whoa, what a hunk. <laughs> Whoa! And then when uh, when wins like, hey, I'm kind of interested in that a guy like I understand. <laughs> Whoa! But there's there's a moment after they escape through the sewer system and they're at the port town where they're waiting to be airlifted to their escape shift by like the ferry general. That Thorn's talking to the prince is like, no, you don't get it. Like that lady that you're like talking down about risked her life to get us where we need to be like you need to stop acting like this little shit and step into the role of who you're supposed to be like this weird kid that's taking along with us is doing it like own it like grow up man and i think this book handles that so well Mm -hmm. like because and i think john like where you were like oh is he being shifty is he being like what's he up to i think that's the moment where you see him being like no, I need to be decisive on this. I can't let everything fall the wayside and let the adults make these calls. Like I have to, I have to grow up right now because if I don't, like I could be the next person that's torn up by the bandaged man's like yeah. guards. Uh, I one. Yeah. Let's talk about our next beers. Okay. Mm. Ooh. Uh, mm. can, I'm oh. ready for it. Yeah, I'm ready. You said I'm ready, and I'm like, oh, you said you're ready. We're pausing. All right. So, John, you said you just say like, Chris, if you're so ready, what beer are you yep. drinking? Ready? 
in three, two, one. Oh, if you're so ready, Chris, then what is the beer you're drinking? Uh, I'm, oh, John, when I said you could say that, I didn't mean you had to say that exactly. You could make it here. Yeah, I know, but I didn't. I mean, you. Ha- I did. Did you hear how angry I was with it? I was intense. Oh, it was. A- you were like, yeah, say this, hey, John. Mm-hmm. I'm Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Mar- I'm Marvin the Manhunter. Martian. <laughs> Very different characters. Listen, I have to say, uh, my beer is really hit. <laughs> That's okay, and I know my beer will wind up hitting me eventually because I'm drinking from Founders Brewing, part of their Barrel Shop series, their Nemesis, which is. When I say their nemesis, it's not their enemy. It's Nemesis, which is their barley wine uh, style ale. Uh, 11.2% ABV, uh, brewed with roasted malts and no shortage of hops. And it definitely has that nice roasty flavor to it. But then you get that nice hop bitter on it. Uh, John, you actually sent me a bottle of this when you... You didn't send it. You brought it down when you came to uh, visit back in. When I came down to visit you with... 40 pounds of beer. Uh, and I drank it, and I definitely enjoyed it. But when I went to my beer store, they had one four-pack of this left on the shelf, which I was even surprised to see something from Founders Bottle Shop series on the shelf. Um, $12 for a four-pack. And I knew I just had to pick it up. And I have absolutely been loving this. As we've been sitting here, because, you know, behind-the-scenes talk... We've been on a little bit of a pause from the time that uh, John set everything up before he threw it over to me. Um, <laughs> I drank about half of this, and I thought I drank more than I did because it is so big and bold and flavorful. You don't need to take a big sip just to go to flavor country on this. Like It's so amazing and wonderful. Um, John, even if you hadn't brought me one of these... If I had seen this on my shelf today, I would have picked it up. But when I saw it on the shelf, there was that spark of like, ooh, Nemesis, I had one of those. I like it. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically a black barley wine. So they like you would have like a People black IPA or a black, black just lager. Just roast everything. Like roast your hops, roast your malt. Yeah. Like it, it's delicious. <clears throat> Marshmallows, so roast them. They're they're using the the malts and everything you would use to make a imperial stout, but they're using those to make an imperial barley wine, like in a barley wine. So it just everything about it works. I had it on the show months ago, um, and it was one of those things like I had it and I went like, "Well, I gotta bring Chris one of these." And I think you I actually he was able to find it again. Like, I think if I'm remembering correctly, you actually asked me if I had had it because it was something that they had brewed for their tap room before. It was like kind of one of their limited things. And I was like, no, it didn't. And you're like, mm, you're gonna yeah. like, so it's, <laughs> you're gonna, you might not have said that, but you know, the thought was there. Um, yeah. Followed on yeah. March 9th, I, I, 2021. I, you... Fan- fantastic. Yeah. And John, you said you're almost at the end no. of, what you've been drinking oh uh, yeah and this is probably one of my favorite beers from uh great lakes brewing out of uh cleveland ohio and this is their nosferatu this is their imperial red ipa and this is the perfect amount of those nice red malts of a red ale with those just great hops 
bittering. Everything works perfect in this beer. They just transitioned from four-pack bottles to four-pack tall boy cans. And this beer tastes even better out of this. It's a beer that I always liked, but at some point, obviously it was in the fall, I was in Rochester. There's this cool little bar that's like it used to be like a little gas station in the middle of this hipster neighborhood. And I remember going in there and having this beer on tap. And it was the first time I'd have it on tap. And I fell in love with the beer. I thought it was so great. Got it in bottles, and I was like, yeah, this isn't as good as I had it on tap, but this is good. But this can is as good as I had it on mm. tap. Like, this beer is like, oh, yeah, this is why I fell in love with that beer. Absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad I brought 14 cases of this into work because I probably will be coming home with a couple of those four packs out of that. Uh, you saying this makes me want to try it again because I remember picking it up in the four pack bottles and not loving it. I remember like, enjoying this and then I looked it up on Untapped. Last time I checked into it, so not necessarily the last time I had it, was in September 2013. So I'm sure it's been since then because as soon as I saw you had this, I was like, ooh, like I, I love Nosferatu. Um, so it might have been in the time where I wasn't using Untapped to check into stuff. But yeah, uh, the last time anyone that I'm friends with on Untapped checked into it was 2017 even. So <laughs> it's, do they still put this out annually or is this like maybe it went off the shelves for a while? Yeah. Okay. No, I no, see it, it every it's... year and I've skipped it every year because I'm like, oh, that was good. But the price point. Like, it's a specialty release, uh, John, so I skipped you had this at the Half Pint Pub, uh, September 16th, 2013. And at that point, you said, I always forget how good this beer is. Yeah. All right, I'm going to check it out. You know, it's spooky season, and I'm excited to get into all things spooky, so that's very exciting. I am... Hey, 9-19-2013, I said... In my top three Great Lakes beers. And I think it's, it's it's definitely up there. So Alchemy Hour, which is now Chill, Chill Wave, Wave which, because that was our big beer. It's different, though, because like, we loved yeah. that. Like, Lake Erie Monster great probably Lake the Erie one. Monster great. and then Nosferatu. Yeah, right? but... No, Edmund uh, is no, terrible great, for me. Is like, great Lakes, it, right now... Was it Conway's, the Irish? Great Lakes... Conway's, Conway's is, is really good, good. too. Uh, great... Great Lakes Christmas mm. would probably be number one. Mm, that yeah. one's good. Edmund Fitzgerald would probably be number two. I've had a couple of those recently, and man, it's still a good Good. Porter. Yeah, I, I switched your list right now. I'm number one him. It's Fitzgerald, then Christmas Hale. Yeah. Uh, and then Nosferatu. Alchemy Hour, which used to be Chill Wave, Oof. or well, vice yeah. versa. It's Chill Wave it's now. Not, it used to be Alchemy Hour, it Alchemy, Alchemy Sue. It's not... It's, it's not the same beer. Um, Lake Erie Monster changed even, too, because like, it was like a different hop. Lake Erie Monster, it's it's not the same beer. It's they went more bitter versus that tropical. Well, they like because the the thing the thing that was great about um the thing that was great about uh great about Lake Erie Monster was like oh the pine like it's pineapple-y. It's got all these tropical notes, and it doesn't have that anymore. And we had that beer. Chris Roy, my co-host on the show, 
was so drunk at my wedding because my wife insisted on having Lake Erie Monster at our wedding. It's too big. Like too big. Oh, I tried. I tried to tell her, but she was like, "I love that beer." Nine point five percent ABV because I'm looking it up right now. It's and she's like, "It's cheaper to get this beer than it is to get like all these other beers." Like, why wouldn't we? And I was like, "Oh, because people get drunk." And she's like, "Nah, people don't get drunk." And then Chris Roy is a crazy man at my at my Uh, wedding reception. It's really good. Not his fault. The monster got released. and then they ran it out. It was and then really I think good. It went into the uh, the you didn't have Voodoo Ranger. What was it? The New Belgium one that you had. What's it? Fat we tire? had um, yeah. we had Fat Tire. We had Fat Tire. We had a Session um, Tangerine Pale Ale. We had the, one of my favorite beers, um, Brook, Brooklyn Sriracha Ace, which was another seven percent beer. Um, we had a six percent cider, and I feel like we had one other and. You know, Labatt's, and then we had pre-made cocktails that the bartenders were putting shots into. So people people really got ramped up. Mm-hmm. And get this, listeners, because you don't care, but we had two food trucks oh. at our wedding. We, we fucking partied down. Sidebar. Like, but I got married in a brewery, so. <laughs> uh, I haven't had any. <laughs> I had better beer at my wedding, though. Oh. I haven't had anything from Great Lakes in a while, and they changed all of their like bottling can art, and I really like it now. Like, uh, some of it's okay. I don't know, like Nosferatu, the the Nosferatu, the Nosferatu can, one, the Lake Erie okay. Monster one's good. Um, Commodore Perry, like, looks good. I don't know, like, it looks a lot more modern. It's a lot cleaner, like, with their branding. Like, it's not like the big thick bands that they used to have at like the top yeah. and the bottom. Um, it's a little bit more minimalist, minimalistic with their uh, logo on it. I I dig it. I don't know. It's actually the same kind of branding. Like it has like these weird angles yeah, to that, it. Like... It all, it all reminds me of Ballast Point when they rebranded right okay. before. Okay, I, I can see that they got sold out. Um, but uh, but yeah, Nosferatu is great. Paul, I know you were trying to talk to your beer, and then ooh, right, I'm sorry. What's this? now? I... I haven't had this yet. What's Dank Demon? Dank Imperial Demon? Dank uh, IPA. I think that... Ooh, wait, it's Imperial because that was going to be my question. Did Ohio ever lift their ban on brewing beers over 10% or at 10%? Yes. So they have lifted that? I I think three or four years ago. Okay. Because I from Great Lakes, yeah. I haven't seen any like big Imperials, big boys come out from. Paul, I told you this year we're getting the barrel-aged Christmas. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like I was trying to lead you there. Oh, ooh, mm. <laughs> Paul, Paul will be so, a happy Christmas boy this year. So wait, are you saying <laughs> there's going to be an imperial Christmas ale, the number one beer from your list this year coming out? Is, oh yeah, yeah. I I got I got Nosferatu confused by you, Paul. I'm okay. So I sucked down this eight percenter pretty quick on top of those two other beers that I pounded. John, so. while you're sobering up, Paul, what are you drinking next? I am drinking from uh, Blue Point Brewery. Uh, this is their Imperial Sunshine, which is apparently a blonde ale with orange and natural flavors. And this is a big fruit juice kind of 
thing. Uh, it's 9.6% alcohol by volume. The reason I have wow. this is because the person I was playing this golf with had two of these out of his four pack. It's like, Paul, I need a lower alcohol beer. I'll trade you. You're too hearted for one of these. And I'm like, okay. So what have we learned, listeners? If you play disc golf with me and you give me beer, I will save it for the show and I... not drink it while I'm playing disc golf. <laughs> I haven't had anything but I also... from Blue Point in a while. I didn't know they made beers that big. Yeah, no, this is delicious. I'm normally not a blonde ale person. I, I just don't like that kind of aftertaste that blonde ales. Like, uh, what is it? It's a triple monkey. The golden Ooh. monkey. Yeah. yeah but that's a golden ale. Oh, that's... And this is a blonde ale? It's a Belgian, Belgian golden ale. I don't know. But blondes and golden ales, probably because I'm colorblind, I can't tell the difference between blonde and golden. Um, you know, I steer clear from. But maybe maybe I do like blondes? I don't know. Your wife's a blonde. I, I hope you do. I have to say, it's... <clears throat> there's... There's blondes that are good and there's blondes that are bad. Uh, the last Blondale that I had that I really liked was Atomic Blonde from Lawson's, but it was like a Blondale with really florally hops yeah. that just really made that beer land and like, oh yeah, this is really good. Yeah, I think the orange um, is doing the work on this as well. That it's yeah, Blondale. A Blondale is going to lend yeah. itself to whatever like hop you do or flavor you add to it. It's, um, it's got that, you know, that little bit of that uh, marmalade kind of, like, bite at the end. It's nice up front. It's it's nice round beer. It's I don't know why he brought this up to disc golf, because it's a little too big. The flavor's a little too big. It's a 16-ounce can. It's So, therefore, it is a little too big to carry with you as well. Like, um... But it's good. I'm enjoying it now. Uh, I would not bring this out, like, for a picnic or anything, or even to mow the lawn. It's just a little too much bite at the back end. It's not overly refreshing. I think New Haze was a choice, or or too hearted was it was also a good choice for going out and having a day outside. Uh, but to get back into wind. One of the things that sold me, one, I plan on buying the follow-up issues of this book. I really enjoyed it. Um, but issue eight, because um, this book only is yeah, five, five issues. First five. Uh, issue eight, I believe, the cover has uh, the gardener, hmm. his father, and the chef together with two, like, alpaca horn goat type creatures like they're on the adventure to go find the <laughs> I like that and I was like oh okay let's see where this goes I like it so uh, <clears throat> my anniversary is coming up I won't be on the uh, show uh, next week hopefully there will be a movie fix coming up Maybe. I think we there's two, the two recorded that, that I haven't put up yet uh, one of them was Loki episode one they might become lost episodes at this point because yeah, look, look for some blitz, bonus episodes coming out next week. Just put them but up. There is Chris, let's just just blitz them and then uh, let's record a new one. Let's just figure yeah, something. Else I'm out. always up for recording something. Posting it though. <laughs> hey, hey, I've uh, tried. You fell into my trope when I was doing that for the show. 
I've tried to be and really I had a good baby. with posting. I had a baby. I had a baby at home. Yeah. I've tried to be really good with posting. You, Paul, uh, you're great at it, so thank you for that. You do. You, you do very good. We every time you tell us that you posted, an episode, you do we thank, thank you. You, you do pro- thank me, so we, I do appreciate we, it. We thank you profusely. I do appreciate that. But uh, anyways, we were talking about alpacas, and during my anniversary week uh, that I'll be off on, there's a llama farm that uh, you can actually walk the llamas, take them on a mile hike with you. So I'm very excited. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing that. Paul, I don't blame you. That's my my favorite Johnny Cash song. Walk the llamas? It's a reference to something that's wrong. That was a joke. Okay. Anyways, John, I'm sure you had something to say that was actually important. No, no, there's no. It's not because it was like take pictures of yourself with a llama, Paul. Because my son loves the llama llama series. He'd love he'd love you a lot more than just that man is odd. If you came up like I know llamas, he'd be like, "Whoa!" You know what shirt I'm gonna wear? Well, I take that picture. It's my Cusco Topia shirt that Chris Groig gave me. Because that's and that's the whole thing. I'm like, they'll tell me the name is. Of the llamas, like whatever yeah. marshmallow yeah, yeah, lineup, but you're yeah. like, no, his name is Cusco. First of his name. Sorry, uh, I was doing. So I was that. doing some research. I don't have a lot of. Circling back, I don't have a lot of Blondales I've drank, and the ones that I have, I've never put over like three and a half, three point two five, like three point two five. I don't know. I don't think that's my a style of beer that I enjoy at all. But talking about the art for this book, oh, yeah. uh, versus the woods, the woods like it was all dank, dark, and kind of like oppressive. And this is a bright, happy fantasy kind of look to this book. And you know, yes, it's dealing with some people getting slaughtered and genocide, basically genocide happening, and uh, blood feuds and racism and stuff, but. It just looks so bright and cartoony that it just makes it easier to read. Yeah, it makes it a lot more accessible, especially like when they get into the kind of like the history of like the different like tribes and like the winds where like everything kind of like got broken up um, with like your compass navigation um, before things went sour. But it, you're right, it is still very bright. And I like once they bring the fairy general in who's ferrying. Oh my gosh, is that what is that is that the reference? Wow. Mm. Uh ferrying everybody to safety and like they even have like a different color text bubble. I do appreciate how bright and kind of pastel this book is in its coloring because it is heavy and it is something that it kind of belies how dark the story can be at times. But the coloring, like, the art's fantastic. And, John, you had mentioned before it's a breeze to get through. You're only looking at, like, five or six panels max per page, and I think that's kind of what propels you through that story because you're taking on a lot of information, but it's done so efficiently that you're not hung up on anything. Uh, I did want to say that when you mentioned the different colored text bubbles for the fairy general, 
when wind comes back and he actually has wings and he's gone through his metamorphosis, his text bubble is actually jagged, a little bit more jagged. Is it? I didn't notice changed. that. His voice has changed. Voice change for a male is puberty. It's an allegory for puberty. Like the whole thing, the, the general's like saying, hey, when you go out into the world, the world is going to change you. It's going to affect who you are. And you, ha- you have the power to kind of help control that and guide that. But you can't be afraid of change. you got to let it happen. This, this book, is this book just an allegory for puberty? I, I was, it, like, thinking it was an allegory for LBGTQ this whole time. Thinking, oh, okay, this is something that I can be sympathetic towards, but not empathetic towards. Because, you know, I, I'm as milquetoast white male as it comes uh, but I can be sympathetic and or empathetic I went through puberty I can understand like being afraid of that and like that kind of change and what will happen right yeah I so. but I think that kind of just all harkens back to what makes this book enjoyable and accessible is it's so allegorical to so many things but ultimately just growing up feeling like you don't belong and wanting to be, you know, quote unquote normal. Cause that's all like wins asking for. It's like, no, I just, I want to have that normal life where I, I can just like go shopping in the market and I run into you and you tell me about this flower. And then, you know, we go about our days. Like there's so much heart in this book and it works so well that, this is now kind of one of those books. And we've talked about them on the show before. Like we've done main topics about it where it's like the books to hand someone to get them into comics. If they're like, Hey, what should I read? Like, I think this definitely does like deserves a place on that list. Cause yeah. Is it written for maybe young readers? Sure. But is there like so much there that anyone can like, draw from it and enjoy it and appreciate it. Yeah, like this this is what comic books are for. Out of uh out of the four kids, which one was the one that like really like, oh, this is this is my favorite character out of those ooh, four. Ooh, good question. Uh, Paul Paul well, is li- I... like like physically taken aback by it. Like Paul, you like kind of did like a lean back like you were hit well, by that question. <laughs> Here's the thing. Who I like the most is Oakley. Oakley. Yeah, okay. But who... Yep, yep. Who I think I am most like is probably the prince where I'm being an asshole and I'm being a jerk and I'm not even realizing it. I'm just kind of caught up with what my own thoughts and, like, who I am. can't read the situation. See, Paul, that was was you ten years ago. You've evolved since then. Well, okay. So I'm the prince on the journey. (laughs) I, I... I do really like Oakley a lot, and I'm hoping, you know, with the continuing issues and the next volume, uh, we get a lot more from her because she is, like, such a strong character. And even when she's kind of being flown by the fairy general, whose name is escaping me right now, I feel bad for that. Because it's such, like, a like Don't worry, she's key dead. point character, though. <laughs> 
I'm telling Paul to go pee because he's got the pee shirt. No, I'm just. There. You're good. I'm good. Just, I'm just. just <laughs> I don't know why you were pointing and then making the symbol that we make. When you're I was like, hey, like I'm the leaf I just saw Paul and he's like, he's like, he's he's rocking and he's no, like I'm shaking like, uh, and I was like, oh, he's got the pee what's shivers. It, what's it called? I'm shaking my knee. What, what's the restless thing? leg syndrome? No yeah, yeah, he's just got, got that going on. Um, but Oakley has okay. that moment where okay. she's being flown to like the ship, talking to the fairy general. Like the general's like, no, like I can sense it. Like you love him, and like Oakley's kind of trying to come to grips with her feelings, where she's like, no, he's like a brother to me like i mm-hmm. i want what's best for and him like and she knows i, I feel good. like i feel like there's so many levels to all of these characters in this book and what they know and understand of each other like even when um there's a moment in it kind of midway through almost where wins talking to oakley and molly's uh husband slash father like the guy that's running the pub and like the cook, he no shirt on. He's just wearing his apron. You see his like farmer's tan, and he's. An ep- I think he's. Is just he? A cook. I feel like he's, he's part of the family. No, because she even says like he's. You got to cover your ears because he's only been with us. Okay, for maybe a, not a few weeks. I don't know, maybe my reading of it was different, um, but there's moments where he is just like talking to Wind. Where like Wind's like, oh well, you know, how do you feel about everything? And he's just like. You know, like, whatever happens beyond our borders isn't any concern of ours. Like, people are people, like, accept them for who they are. And as soon as, like, there's that assault on the pub, like, he's, like, grabbing swords out of people's hands. Like, he's, like, stepping into the role, like, fucking yeah. badass. Well, he, it, he, yeah, he has that moment where he stops the sword, and then he sees that Wind has his pointed ears, but he's, like, your mom told me to get you two home safe and that's what I'm going to do. And the way they even, he's very friendly, but again, it's that thing of like, oh, he could be really friendly, but he could be the guy that sells yeah. them out. Or yeah. he could be the guy that's like, I'm not going to help these people. But then you have that moment where he's like, your mom told me to get you home. And then as I said, like, issue eight is him and the gardener dad, like out on an adventure to get their boys. Like, it it just like I like that character even more than I I thought I was going to, and if you were gonna say like my top two favorite characters out of this book would be Miss Molly mm-hmm. and the chef. Like I really like those characters. I really hope because you don't see Miss Molly die uh, because also. I feel like it's so. I really hope she's it's so leaned into though, where she's like telling Oakley, like, "Oh yeah, like don't worry, go do that errand I was talking about. Don't forget, I love you." Like, yeah. it's so. Yeah. It's so, yeah. and it has it's to know, fly you fools moment. Yeah, it has to, but uh, poor example, Paul, because Gandalf but also, comes back. <laughs> um, but there's so much weight they to that give moment you the... with her. Like trying to distract and slow down the Banshman, oh, and yeah. he even's like, "No, like I know when I'm being distracted. Like, is this is this worth it for you to do? Because I'm going to be right behind them in a second. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't want her to come back because you do love her and you do care. Um, I, I feel like her make it's an it earned is, death. I feel like her coming back is kind of going to yeah. cheapen that." 
But even like Thorn believes his father is dead. Mm-hmm. They believe that 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 the chef is dead. And those guys came back. I wouldn't if Miss Molly comes back in issue 12 or in the third volume and she's like I got word I now this is going to be my issue story or two issue stories of me trying to find my kids again like I'm down for that I'd love it and I don't mind thinking that she is gone because she did have a great earned death Mm -hmm. but I would want her back with her kids I'd want her to see her kids grown up and what they've become yeah but her story arc is she finds a baby that is lost and her arc is to get that baby to safety like she's not going to be able to see that happen and that's fine because unless this book does something completely different and and when doesn't make it to safety then you know um her, her story arc is complete like she's done everything in her power yeah, to get I, get I I agree with that, but I also wouldn't mind down the road, like I said, like third trade, fourth trade, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, oh, she's she actually survived. Amazing she fantasy, it. Uncle Ben is there on the island saying, we're all dead here, Peter. Uh, yeah. So I, had, I know I had mentioned Bone earlier when I was kind of like trying to equate this to something, but I think the other thing that I would probably bring up if I was trying to sell it to someone that was also already a comic book reader and John agree with me or disagree uh, would be Saga it kind of hits those notes of like growing up as like a kid who's different people are trying to keep you safe and your story kind of grows beyond what they're able to do I'd say yes and no very similar themes, but I think Saga is head and shoulders better. Uh, again, than they're this different book. books, but it, it 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 struck me as Saga E, and I mean that in like the best possible way. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's Saga esque. Uh, I I wouldn't like I I personally wouldn't compare the two. Um, but I can see where Chris is coming from. I only read the first Stratus Saga, and it was good. <laughs> and it I was can... it was better than you liked that first issue. It was better than the first issue, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, and I I can see where Chris is coming from because the thing that really sells Saga to me and to Chris and to my wife and to to other people who I've lent the that series is. That book is about family, people who come in and come out of your family who help you along the way. And I can see where this book is, in a sense, about family, like Oakley and Wind are family and what they're trying to do. Miss Molly and what she's trying to do to help them. Thorne's father and and uh, the chef, mm-hmm. like what they're going to do to help their family uh and what family that Thorn, the Prince, Wind, and Oakley are going to become on this adventure. Like, I can see where that, where you're coming from with that, Chris. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think it's almost apples and oranges. The I don't want to say quality, but like there's definitely something uh, that I think they're also written for different, yeah, different dem demographics, like the different age groups, different. They're it's they're they're different yet still the same themes and still th- similar like, in a certain way. Wind is never going to have a story arc dealing with one of the characters being like a drug addict who's part of like soap operas. Yeah. <laughs> like to try to like tone it down. Um, I really enjoyed this book and I enjoy reading comic books and I feel like this is something that I picked up because we do this show because it was on my radar. Like it's outside of the stuff that I pick up as just part of my normal like week to week or month to month reading. Um, and I will be buying volume number two. I don't know if I'm going to be jumping into single issues for it because I think this is something that I do want to pick up those like trade paperback volumes. It's something I want on my shelf so I can like hand it off to somebody else. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I would agree. It is n- if if we read issue one for trade and policy, I wouldn't. Pr- I probably would not pick up issue two. Whoa, whoa. But the fact that we, the fact that we read it in a trade, because that first issue it doesn't feel like anything. Like, well, are you including super, that it's... prologue of the the nightmare, and then? That first yeah. issue, okay. Because I think the nightmare leads to where the book is going in that first issue. I'm putting those two together and I'm like, okay, that's that gives me a little bit more than just that first issue did. Because that first issue, I'm like, oh, where is this going? Trying to take that prologue out of it. And I'm like, you do need those two together, I think, to get give you the complete hook. But even like where the first issue kind of ends i don't know if it'd be enough of a hook for me to get issue two but reading all five issues in this trade yeah i definitely would buy the next trade and i just looked at like the books are still like six seven eight nine are 3.99 and 4.99 like they're still very expensive so buying a trade would make the most sense like yeah i'll wait another another month and then i'll i'll pick up the next trade and i'll read it all and chris i wouldn't mind even doing this for another trade and policy like do the do the second volume like we've been doing that with a couple we've done that yeah, before with earth comic books issues. obviously we've earth ones we've done we, it with yeah i wouldn't mind us continuing to continuing this conversation because this is a book that makes sense it kind of fits all of it it and saying it has a saga feel it has a it has an avatar the last airbender feel Mm -hmm. it has a it's a road trip just yeah in the even in the the color scheme and the palette of the book makes me feel like it's avatar i can see that and they're going to the north (laughs) oh wait they were going to the southern one yeah they're going to the north they were from the southern one try it now they're going to the north pole that's right yeah, I can only push myself back as I water drive out because I'm wearing corded headphones. But guys, if you've read 
wind. Let us know your thoughts on it. If you haven't, let us know if we turned you around. Email us over at bangbroadcast at gmail.com or comment on any of the social media posts for this very episode. Um, we always just like talking about comic books because it's, a, it's such a great art form. Like, do people know this? Like, are people aware that the movies that they spend billions of dollars on you can just go buy like weekly for like three, four bucks? Four or five bucks now? Uh, yeah, they're getting up there. Uh-huh. Remember when they used to hold the line at two fifty? Gone are the days. Yeah. Hold the line at two ninety nine. Oh. Remember when it was three ninety nine? We're like, that's an expensive book. I don't think I'm going to do that. Now it's like five ninety nine, nine ninety nine for a uh, uh, anniversary annual. Like, uh, I. It's tough. Nine ninety nine for the anniversary stuff. I'm like, well, there are a hundred pages or eighty pages, so it's like two comic books. So at that point, like, I get it. Uh, at least I got like a recipe for chili out of it, kind of thing. 